Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and I really should just clip that and drop it in at the beginning of every episode because I feel like I say it the same way every single week. <laughs> but I won't. I actually probably just had more work. The, the three seconds that it takes me to say it the same way every time, not worth uh, actually making a standalone audio clip there. But, but, hey, this week I have two recipes for you. All part of the same meal, fantastic, very delicious. The first is sweet and sour chicken drumstick. Yeah, sweet and sour chicken drumsticks. It's kind of hard to say chicken drumsticks back to back like that with butternut squash and red onions. Really delightful recipe. Uh, it's super easy, nice complex flavors. Like you get a little bit of acid, sweetness, saltiness. You get the, you know, the, sort of the rich, sweet and savory flavor of the butternut squash. The red onions are beautiful. Very nice. And you get to throw in some pine nuts. One of my favorite, favorite kind of nuts. I don't even know if a pine nut would be considered a nut. Might be more of a seed. Certainly is not a legume like a pea. But yeah, that one was really good. But the side dish, fantastic. And I am almost certainly going to mispronounce this fagioli al uccelletto <laughs> all right we'll put that in there it's a a l l apostrophe u c c e l l e t t o i'm saying i'm thinking it's uccelletto and uh uccelletto means little bird little bird in italian and what this is there are no birds there are no birds in it. Oh, there's chicken stock. There's chicken stock. So there's a little bit of bird in there. But it's cannellini beans, or it could be some other kinds of beans. It could be like cranberry beans, which are kind of like uh, kidney beans, but not kidney shaped, or borlotti beans or something like that. But I use cannellini. And this is essentially Italian baked beans. And it's fantastic. And I think we'll get to the flavor and, and why it's so good and everything in a second. But why, why are we calling it beans cooked in the style of little birds? And I don't know. I don't know exactly because, you know, um, uh, what is it? Kind of like how uh, gnocchi is, I mean, I think colloquially means field mice, which makes sense because they're kind of like a little mouse-shaped dumpling without a tail. And uh, cannellini beans don't really, you know, don't really look like little birds. But I do recall... Uh, I think it was, was, it, oh, was it an episode of one of Anthony Bourdain's shows or alternatively one of Andrew Zimmern's shows. And I think, I think he was in Norway, but I can't be sure. And anyway, what they would do is on these little hills, you would lay, lay down uh, on the opposite side of a hill with, and you have these nets and these little birds would fly they would follow like the uh the the air currents the from the heat rising off of the the grass you know because it's in summer or fall or whatever and they would follow this and kind of like fly along the contours of the hill so when they crest the hill they're not super high off the ground and you're laying there and wait with this it looks like a pool net kind of you know like that you clean your pool out with and you just sort of like snag them out of the air you catch a whole bunch of these 
and then you pack these little birds, and I don't know whether are they sparrows or are they starlings, I don't know what they are, but you pack them into a seal skin, blad, uh, either a bladder or the seal skin as a bag, and you sew it up, and I think you bury it, and they they ferment, they cure. I think these are all euphemisms for they rot in a bag, but uh, then you open it up and you eat them. I don't know, a few weeks later, a few months later, whatever, and uh, people seem to like it. But the thing is, is like a long time ago, tiny little birds were just as viable a, a, a food source as these like Frankenstein chickens that you get at the grocery store. So what I think is, I'm just hypothesizing that this dish of like stewed beans sort of would have at least looked reminiscent of a bunch of small birds stewed together in a sauce or in a pie, you know, two and 20 blackbirds baked in a pie type of thing. But anyway, uh, yeah, so this is like uh, an Italian style baked beans. And it really, I mean, honestly, I love American style baked beans with the smoky, sweet, salty contrast. But I mean, they're they're very heavy and it is it is a like a barbecue adjacent dish more or less so it tends to be more of a summertime dish whereas this does not have the overt sweet component that american style baked beans does so uh, it's much more savior yeah much more savory a little just a little hint of spice there's a little bit of cayenne in there and uh, this would be perfect all winter long. Like this is more of a hearty, rich, cold weather type of baked bean dish as opposed to your, you know, pork and beans with, with molasses and brown sugar and stuff like that. So uh, that's going to be the second recipe. That was definitely the star of the show. These were off the charts. Amazing. Incredible. All right. I'm not going to use too many. I mean, I'll, I'll probably use a few more. Uh, descriptive words, but whatever whatever word makes you think that something tastes good, apply that word to these beans. All right. So as with every episode, take a look at the show notes, uh, and there we'll have the imager album, which will do the step by step photos of the preparation of both of these dishes. Let's see. Uh, special ingredients. I don't believe there is anything in either one of these that would be difficult to acquire. I mean, this is. This is really, not only is it like really delicious um, uh, peasant style, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, peasant cooking, but it's super, I mean, obviously that'd be a hallmark of it is how cost effective it is. These are very efficient recipes, very cheap, but man, flavor off the charts. Okay, so let's get started. So no uh, special ingredients, no special equipment. You know, if you have an enameled cast iron Dutch oven, that would be great. If you have two of them, whoa, hold on there, salt and a Brunei. But you could definitely make both of these in uh, your matching <laughs> Le Creuset Dutch ovens. Uh, I only have the one Dutch oven, so I made the beans in that. And then I used a, uh, oh, geez, I don't even know what kind of pot it is. I mean, it's sort of like a Dutch oven, but it's not quite. It's a little bit more bulbous at the bottom and it has more of a bulbous uh, lid to it, but is uh, stainless steel or, you know, uh, uh, the all-clad type of casserole or baking pot or something. I don't, I'm not sure. You'll see it in the pictures. 
But let's get started with our sweet and sour chicken legs. For this one, we're looking at like a total cooking time of between an hour and an hour and a half on the low end. I went considerably longer on this at like a low temperature. Since I was doing the two recipes, I wanted to make sure that I had some wiggle room with regards to end time so that I could kind of get them up the temperature right when I need to or have it fully cooked and then just simmering, simmering along for a little while. But you could definitely do this in, you know, pretty close to an hour. I did like the extra cooking time because sometimes chicken legs can get a little tough, especially if you're pulling off of your own, you know, like free range chickens. Those guys are like Mr. Olympian, Mr. and Mrs. Olympia. But with store-bought chicken legs, they will be considerably more tender, but you don't want to take a, a risk. So if you, you know, err on the side of just cooking this for a longer period of time. But here's what we'll need for this recipe, two to four tablespoons of olive oil. You can kind of eyeball this, you know, a good glug. I don't want to say use two tablespoons of olive oil and then you end up short on the oil. Use what you need. You need it in two steps in this recipe. Eight drumsticks. Uh, sometimes you can get a package that has exactly eight in it. And that is fantastic. Salt and pepper to taste. A butternut squash. Uh, or maybe you can do a half of one. I used a whole one. That's another thing too. I have a ton of butternut squash that is like the easiest thing to grow and the most prolific. So it's like eating, turning orange all winter long. So we got that butternut squash. What I did with this to, just to prep that is with a vegetable peeler, I peeled the outside right. Normally I cut it in half, scoop the seeds out, roast it in the oven. This time I used the vegetable peeler, uh, peeled off the outside and then cut it in half, scoop the seeds out, and then cut it into cubes. And that was easy enough. One red onion or two. I mean, I use two because two is better than one. And you're going to cut that into eight wedges. So like cut the north, south, east, west, you know, two slices that way. And then each one of those segments cut it in half and you'll have your eight. We'll use three cloves of garlic, two thirds of a cup of red wine vinegar, a half cup of orange juice. I just used two like large navel oranges and squeeze those out. Did not measure the orange juice in that. It was almost certainly more than half a cup, but it's okay. It's okay. You can reduce that during the cooking process. Used a half cup of chicken stock, you know, maybe about a quarter cup of pine nuts and two tablespoons of like chopped fresh parsley. With those pine nuts and the parsley, we, we don't need those until the very end. And what would work really well for you is if you just in a clean, dry pan or skillet uh, on medium high heat, just kind of toast those pine nuts a little bit. It'll get the oils flowing in them and, and bring out the nutty, citrusy, piney flavor to it. And uh, it'll just be a little bit extra there. But we will get to that in a moment. What we're going to start off with is in our in our Dutch oven, we're going to use um, a tablespoon or maybe two or however much you need of olive oil in there and get that nice and hot on like high, high to medium high heat. And then what we're going to do is we're going to brown all of our chicken legs on all sides. We're not going to cook them all the way through. You know the drill. Every time I cook something with chicken, it's like put it in the pan for three minutes and then take it out and stick it on a, a plate for a while while you make everything else. Doing the same thing here. The difference is we're just going to season them with salt and pepper. We're not going to dredge them in flour or arrowroot powder or anything like that. Like we're not going to build a crust on the chicken. We're just going to brown the skin more or less, get some color on it. And also to get some of that 
some of the mylard reaction by you know byproducts, the brown bits onto the bottom of the pan, or in this case, the Dutch oven, so that it can impart some of its wonderful flavors into the rest of this. And I keep saying Dutch oven. I, I did do this in the stainless steel thing, but do it in a Dutch oven, do it in a casserole dish. I don't care, whatever, <laughs> but brown those and then remove them and put them, you know, on a plate somewhere to hold, hold tight until we put the rest of this together. Don't crowd them in there. You don't want to steam your chicken. So like with eight drumsticks, I did four at a time and that left lots of room. So there was a lot of heat being retained in the cooking vessel. Okay. So now you have a dirty pan because you just browned a bunch of chicken in that. We can add uh, more olive oil, another tablespoon if you're measuring it out, or another glug, glug, glug right around the bottom of the pan. And into that, we are going to add uh, the butternut squash and the onion, the cubed butternut squash and the eighth, duh, eighth, duh. Red onion. Uh, throw that in there. Uh, finely dice up your your three cloves of garlic. Get that nice and uh, finely chopped and throw that in as well. And what we're going to do is let that cook. We're not going to stir it around a lot because we don't want to bruise the squash. We don't want to necessarily break apart the onion. The onion will be, you know, multiple layers adhered together in these wedges. They will fall apart during the cooking process, but it doesn't have to happen right now. So you're going to get some, a uh, little bit of cooking going there. Uh, just the liquid in the squash and in the onion will create enough steam to start warming this all up. But then after, I don't know, about 10 minutes of gently moving this around in the pot, what we're going to do is add in your red wine vinegar and your orange juice and uh, kind of with a wooden spoon, make sure that you're moving stuff around so that, that settles down and gets evenly distributed throughout the vegetable mass that you have in your pot, okay? At this point, we're going to return our drumsticks to this pot and we're going to cover it, okay? So the drumsticks are sitting atop a bed of butternut squash and red onion and a, a sauce of red wine vinegar and orange juice, and then there's garlic in there, salt and pepper to taste, you know, maybe you'll need about a tablespoon and eh, maybe a little less, two teaspoons of salt liberally sprinkled around there, a nice grind of fresh black pepper, and it'll be good. Now at this point, simmer that for a half hour and it would technically be done. Uh, like I said, I um, basically did this covered on low, like low to medium low, so that it would maintain just a a scant, a scant simmer and let it go for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. But really, if you let it go at a lively simmer, 25 to 35 minutes will be fine. As long as your chicken is cooked through, you are good to go. And at this point, uh, whenever you're ready to serve, you can obviously serve it right out of the, uh, the pan that you use to cook everything, or you get a platter there because you're chicken legs are on top of everything with a pair of tongs. You can remove them to the platter and then you can turn up the heat a little bit on the vegetables. If you need to reduce down the, the, the sauce of red wine vinegar and orange juice so that it's not too watery. But at some point, whenever you're, you're happy with the consistency, kill the heat on that and throw in your nice handful of chopped fresh parsley and uh, your handful of lightly toasted pine nuts and kind of just fold those into the vegetables 
with a wooden spoon, and then you can spoon that out of the cooking vessel onto the serving platter so that you have lots of that sweet and sour sauce and the uh, the root, the, the, not the root vegetable, I guess onions are kind of root vegetables, kind of aromatics, but um, the, the onions in the butternut squash and just spoon that over your chicken legs. And it's wonderful. It's just like so simple, that sweet and sour flavor that you associate again with like strip mall Chinese food. Uh, it's so easy to accomplish with just orange juice, and red wine vinegar. And if you wanted to, if you wanted to dredge the chicken thighs in like arrowroot powder, cornstarch, or even flour, it would aid in thickening that sauce, but it would make the sauce a lot more opaque. Chances are it's going to take on a nice orangish yellow hue, which really, really drives home the whole sweet and sour thing. It's just like certain flavors you expect to be associated with certain colors, right? Yellow, it's like, oh, that's sour lemon. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, if you add if you add a thickening agent to it, uh, chances are it will it will thicken up that sauce, but it'll make it more uh, opaque as opposed to sort of just uh, a thin sauce the way it is now. And it was it was nice. It was nice and light. It wasn't cloying. wasn't too sweet. wasn't too sour. Very nice. And those chicken thighs, super duper tender. But now let's get let's get to the star of the show, which is the Fujulia uh, Uccelletto. Oh man, I feel like I nailed that. If that's how you pronounce it, that was a good way of pronouncing it. If that's not how you pronounce it, then I sound like just a bigger idiot than I did before. <laughs> All right. All right. So what we need here, ah, listen, if you're using dried beans, one pound of dried beans, cannellini beans, uh, maybe I'm biased because that's what I used, but they worked great. They're a nice size, you know, about the size of a... Mm, they're, they're bigger than a pinto bean, uh, but they're smaller than fava beans or something like that. But they are, uh, you know, I could see them being mm, tiny little bird sized. But anyway, one pound of dried beans, and then you have to go through the whole soaking and, and prepping of the beans that way. I wanted to do this a little faster. So I use canned cannellone, cannellini, cannellini beans. And for that, I use two cans of beans. Each can is like 15.1 ounces, 15.4 ounces, less than 16 ounces, but not by a whole lot. So I use two of those. We're going to use four to five slices of bacon uh, cut into lardons, like little strips. Uh, basically, you cut across the slice so that, you know, your, your slice of bacon is long. You cut it opposite the long way so you get all these little rectangles. That would be great. One uh, yellow onion, you know, diced fairly finely. Actually, I can't remember if I used one or if I used two for this. I might have used two. Two or three carrots diced. You know, you kind of want to make those into like little cubes for this. You want a lot of these vegetables to sort of melt into the background. Like they're, it's not supposed to re remain super chunky, but it's not like you have to put these things in the food processor and, and, and chop them down into a mush. You know, just like small, small cubes will work great. Two stalks of celery, again, diced relatively finely. Two tablespoons of chopped garlic. Um, a teaspoon, half teaspoon of cayenne pepper, you know, whatever, whatever level of spice that you want. I think I used about a half a teaspoon. You could bump that up to a teaspoon. Uh, it's not going to overpower it. Like mine had just like a hint of that background spice. So if you wanted a little bit more of that, you, you have a lot of runway there. Uh, one cup of dry red wine. 
one and a half cups of tomato paste, one and a half cups of chicken stock, two tablespoons, tablespoons, why can I not talk today? Two tablespoons of chopped uh, fresh savory. If you can't find savory, I guess you'd use tarragon. Uh, Let's see. One tablespoon of chopped fresh sage. I thought my sage plants were still alive. They are not. So I use dried sage for that. Now here, two cups of fresh breadcrumbs. Let me give you, let me give you a pro tip on this. For something like this, when, when it is so savory and rich and hearty and delicious, if it is topped with breadcrumbs, consider, consider pulverizing some pork rinds and using that instead. That's what I did because my wife is uh, currently gluten-free for a period of time. So we didn't want to use breadcrumbs in that. Lowers the carb count on uh, the dish a little bit, but it's also just really good. Oh my God, it, 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 because this is such a, a rich and savory dish to begin with, topping it with uh, pulverized pork rinds was uh, phenomenal. Great idea that I had, worked fantastically. Also, uh, two tablespoons of, you can use lard. You could use, um, if you want to just reserve the, some of the bacon fat for whenever you're cooking the bacon to prep for this dish. If you have some bacon fat or something like that, that'd be great. Um, two tablespoons, you could use butter if you're, if you don't have any of the other things. Um, but basically the pan drippings, the lard, the bacon grease, whatever the butter, that two tablespoons plus the two cups of the fresh breadcrumbs, those are going to be cooked together and, and applied as a topping at the end. Okay. First, we're going to do is preheat your oven to 300 degrees Fahrenheit. And then we're going to do a lot of this on the stove and then transfer it into the oven at some point to finish up. Okay. Again, this I actually did use the Dutch oven for, so I can say Dutch oven and I can mean it. <laughs> so in your Dutch oven, uh, on medium to medium high heat, throw in your bacon lardons. Um, you could, if you have some pancetta, you can use pancetta instead, but the, the bacon was great because it does have that smoky flavor to it. Pancetta would be fine just adding uh, a pork and salt sort of flavor. But I do, I do prefer the bacon in this case because it has the smoky component as well. But we're going to throw the bacon in there and get it to just start to brown. Like render out a lot of fat. Leave it in there. Don't drain it off because we're building up flavor here from the, that's the foundation. And we need to go all the way up to our pork rind roof and we need flavor on every floor. So you're going to brown your bacon. And then you're going to add your onion, carrot, celery, garlic, and cayenne pepper. Okay. I don't think I, I don't think I mentioned the cayenne pepper. Um, you know, like, I mean, at the beginning I did not when I was listing the ingredients, but like your half teaspoon of cayenne added at this point and season it with salt give it a little grind of black pepper and then stir it around so that everything is evenly incorporated. And then you want to cook that at like medium high, like a a fairly good clip until the vegetables really start to soften up and become translucent. Okay. 15 minutes, 15 minutes should be sufficient on that. And at that point, we're going to pour in our wine, the tomato paste and the, uh, the chicken stock and mix that in. This is going to become very tomatoey, very wet tomatoey. It's going to look like vegetables <laughs> stewed in ketchup. It's okay. It'll, it gets better. It gets better. What was that fun? 
It was that band. It gets better. Was it the Lumineers? Was it fun? I don't know. It was a few years ago. I remember it was big. But anywho, so you get all that in there. Um, add your uh, your savory or the tarragon and the sage. Add that in there. And then let that sort of simmer a little bit for like five or ten minutes. It'll help to break up the tomato paste and get it like fully loosened up and incorporated with the with the red wine with the chicken stock because it's you know tomato paste is very dense and it likes to kind of taste like a solid mass of tomato paste until it really warms up and thins out and all those other flavors get to meander in and and dance around and then penetrate and whatever effervesce <laughs> anyway uh so yeah give it five or ten minutes at a low simmer because if you simmer it too too high because tomato paste again is very thick You'll get lots of uh, little bits of tomato jumping out, okay? So at that point, after five or ten minutes of simmering, you'll want to, if you were working with dried beans and you soak them overnight and you cook them in the water and all that kind of stuff, drain those, keep uh, keep your bean water, keep enough of it to add to, you know, bring up the liquid level in here. Otherwise, if you're using canned beans, drain those but keep the, the liquid add your beans to the sauce, and then uh, you can use a little bit of that bean liquid to ensure that your the liquid component of the dish, you don't have a bunch of dry beans exposed to the air, okay? You, maybe you'll have to put in two or three tablespoons of the bean liquid, whatever, you'll be fine. Plus, it's starchy, uh, it's kind of thick, it'll help to thicken the sauce there. So at that point, bring that up to a simmer. You can simmer it a little faster now that it has the bean water in there that thins out the tomato sauce. Uh, get it nice and hot. And then uncovered, uncovered, uh, put that into your 300 degree oven for an hour. Okay. What's going to happen in there is it will continue to simmer in the heat of the oven and very gentle because it's it's ambient air temperature as opposed to direct con conduction conduction convection whatever straight through the bottom of the of the pot um, but it will continue the, to cook it will reduce a little bit i think mine reduced down by about an inch down the side of the of the pot it will it will appear very dark red like you'll almost be like, oh my, did I burn it? No, you didn't. It's just dark red, brick red. It'll also have a nice dry surface to it, which you think like, you really want it to be a dry surface? Yes, you do. You want that to be a dry surface because that means that you've pulled out a lot of the liquid and you've concentrated the flavors. At the point when it's on the stove and it looks like vegetables stewed in ketchup, guess what it tastes like? Uh, it tastes like vegetable stewed in ketchup. No, it's very tomatoey. It's very green and raw tasting. But you have a lot of salt in there from the bacon. You've salted it. You've peppered it. You've added the, the cayenne pepper. Um, the chicken stock has flavor. All those things. As you remove that liquid from that sauce and as it concentrates, all those flavors come to the forefront. Like I could not taste the cayenne pepper in the sauce until after it had reduced and came out of the oven, you know, whenever it was done, done, as opposed to when it was done on the stovetop and moved into the oven. Okay. So you're basically concentrating your flavors at that point. But anyway, so you have this, uh, you have this reduced pot of, of beans. <laughs> if you pulverize your pork rinds or if you use your breadcrumbs, whatever, uh, with the pork rinds, I put them into the blender and then just pulse it a few times until it's 
powder essentially. And then put your two tablespoons of like baking grease or lard or butter into a pan, get it hot and melted, whatever. And then add your pork rind dust to that or your breadcrumbs or whatever. Mix it around so that the, uh, the solid part of that absorbs all of the fat component and makes like a savory crumble topping, like, crumble topping. And then you want to just sort of like evenly sprinkle that around the top of your beans so that it makes a, a topping for it. And then those can go back into that 300 degree oven for another 15 or 20 minutes. So it'll brown a little bit. It's not going to brown a lot, but it'll, it'll come out a slightly darker shade than it went in. And uh, then your pot of beans will be nice and hot and ready to go. And let me tell you what, it was, it was so good. It was so delicious. It is, you know, cold weather baked beans, which is weird to say because baked beans, it's such a heavy flavor to begin with. They're good in cold weather also. Now you have two baked bean recipes that you can follow for whether you want sweet and smoky or if you want salty and savory. And these uh, are definitely uh, tied for first place in the all-time uh, great baked bean recipe. But that's that. Sweet and sour chicken drumsticks. And I'm going to try it one more time. Fajoli arrucciolato. <laughs> God, I hope I'm saying that right. Oh my God. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Google it and then hit the little uh, speaker next to it and then have the robot voice come on and tell me I'm an idiot. All right. But uh, that's that. Guys, have a great week. Try these beans. Seriously. It's so, it's easy and it's so delicious and so good. Oh my God. Try it and use the pork rinds. Bread is the enemy. All right. Bye.